Welcome to the podcast of St. Basil the Great Catholic Church in Brecksville, Ohio, with homilies, talks, and interviews relevant to your Catholic faith. God bless you, and enjoy. Good evening, everyone. Are you ready? Mercy given, mercy received, mercy shared. There's a story about a, um, a mother goes into her daughter's bedroom to wake her up for school, and she pulls the cover over her head and she says, I don't want to go to school. I'm not going to, I have two reasons why I'm not going to school. And the mother says, well, what is that? And she says, oh, all, all the teachers hate me and the kids make fun of me. And the mother says, I'm going to give you two reasons why you have to go to school. You're the principal and you're 46 years old. <laughs> I would imagine there's times that we've all felt like that. You want to just pull the covers over your head and say, just leave me alone. Well, after the crucifixion, that's exactly how the the apostles felt. They went into the upper room, they locked the door, they pulled the cover over their head and said, I don't want to do this anymore. It's also the stance of of, um, one of the prophets, Jonah, He's, he's called the reluctant prophet, which, which makes sense. You know, he didn't want to go to Nineveh to preach. He hated foreigners. He hated the Ninevites. They were the sworn enemies of Israel. And he didn't want to preach mercy to them. Uh, and he did everything he possibly could not to. He didn't want to do this. He was an unwilling missionary. But of course, Jonah was forced by circumstances to preach in Nineveh. The city repented before he even finished preaching. And again, the scriptures show the universal love of God. There's a, a if, if you, Jonah's not a very long book, but if you read just the last chapter of the book of Jonah, it's kind of, it, Jonah's a short story about God's, God's mercy extending to everybody. And, and the last chapter, uh, it's a very short book, the last chapter, uh, he goes and he sits there and this tree grows up over him and it's very beautiful and it's shading him from all of the sun and he's just very, very happy. And then this worm comes and eats it and it dies. And he's angry. He's just absolutely angry about this thing. He wants to die. This is just terrible. And God says, well, why are you so angry? He says, because my tree died. And God says, "You, you didn't even care about the Ninevites, but you're worried about the stupid tree that you didn't plant, you didn't do anything with, uh, so get over it. Um, <laughs> probably the, the most famous story, of course, about um, is the Good Samaritan, which is just the opposite of this. You know, the, the, the Samaritans... Um, Back in, in um, 597, 597 B.C., the, the Babylonians came in and they, they conquered Judah. And their, their kind of thing was to take all of the leadership and cart them off into captivity. So that's what they did. And then in um, 537, uh, they're able to come back. The Persians have overcome the Babylonians and all that stuff. But when they came back, uh, the Samaritans 
didn't like the, the, the Jews who came back because they felt they had corrupted uh, the, the, the faith. And the, the Jews who came back didn't like the Samaritans because they had intermarried with the Babylonians. And, and so both of them hated each other. And the, they wouldn't let them help build the temple in Jerusalem. And they said, we don't even want to build your stupid temple because God lives on Mount Gerizim. So they, they just went back and forth and back and forth. They were oil and water. Um, it's it, it, uh, very strong hatred towards each other. That went, so, you know, nowadays, you have the same thing. You know, these tribal things that have gone on for generations and generations, and they, they just cannot seem to get together about anything. And it's very difficult for them to change. Um, there's a story about the final judgment. And, and the final judgment, everybody's standing outside the gates of heaven, and all of a sudden, word comes out, God has decided he's going to forgive everybody. I mean, all those people who never went to church, all the murderers, all the drug dealers, he's going to forgive everybody? And, and gradually, people start getting kind of, you know, angry about this. And then at the very end, some of them actually curse God for doing this. And that's the final judgment. All those who cursed God ended up going to hell. The other ones who realized it was God's mercy that they had received, it wasn't for God, they would not be who they are. Uh, it's kind of a really sobering thought. Where would I be in that whole thing? Would I think, you know, I put all this time in and everybody's going to get to heaven now? But it's precisely while we were, while we, while I, while we were sinners, that God forgave us, that God gave us his mercy. And then God wants us to, to share that mercy. So the scriptures are never entirely about the past. They're always about the present. You change the names and we fit into those stories in some way or another. So, we're, we are sent out to change the world. That, that's the, the, the final, uh, when Jesus ascends to heaven, he says, go now into the whole world and proclaim the good news. That's the great commandment. And so sometimes we're, we're Jonah, we're the reluctant uh, prophets. Sometimes you know, we, we're the, the principal who pulls the sheet over. We don't want to do it. We do not want to go out and preach mercy. And it's not just to people that we like. It's to everybody. For if you love those who love you, what credit is it to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that? Even sinners do the same. St. Francis, Pope Francis, he may become saint, but right now he's just a pope. Uh, pope Francis has consistently said we need to go outside the doors of our church. Now, he's not suggesting that this is uh, not important. It's here where we gather every week to be strengthened, to be nourished, to be taught by the word of God, to become really true disciples of Jesus. 
But he said, that's not enough. He says, we have to go outside the doors of our church and become missionary disciples. You have to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus, always learning, never complete, just growing all the time. But you have to be a missionary disciple and go out into the world. And the Lord said, go. And I said, who? Me? And God said, yes, you. And I said, but I'm not ready yet. And there's company coming. And I can't leave my family. You know there's no one to take their place. And God said, you're stalling. And the Lord said, go. I said, but I don't want to. And God said, I didn't ask you if you wanted to. And I said, listen, I'm not that kind of person to get involved in arguments. Beside my family won't like it, and what will the neighbors think? And God said, baloney. And the third time the Lord said, go. And I said, do I have to? And God said, do you love me? And I said, look, I'm scared. People are going to hate me and cut me into little pieces And I can't take it all by myself. And God said, where do you think I'll be? And the Lord said, go. And I sighed, here I am, send me. The Second Vatican Council said about the laity, by reason of their special vocation, it belongs to the laity to seek the kingdom of God by engaging in the temporal affairs and directing them according to God's will. To go out into the world and proclaim the good news. I found a, um, an interesting letter, a letter to Diognetus. It was written in the set, second century, so year 100. I think that the earliest date they can date it to is maybe about 130 uh, A.D., And uh, Diognetus may have been a tutor of Marcus Aurelius. He's he's describing Christians. Now remember, he's a pagan. Diognetus is a pagan. Obviously, the person writing to this is, is a Christian. He says, For Christians are not distinguished from the rest of mankind, either in locality, in speech, or in customs. But while they dwell in cities of Greeks and barbarians, as all of us do, and follow native customs and dress and food and other arrangements of life, yet constitutions of their own citizenship, which they set forth, is marvelous and and confessedly contradicts expectations. They dwell in their own countries, but only as journeyers, soldiers, They bear their share in all things as citizens, and they endure all hardships as strangers. Every foreign country is a fatherland to them, and every fatherland is foreign. They marry like all others, and they beget children, but they do not cast off their offspring. They have their meals in common, but not their wives. They find themselves in flesh, and that they live not according to the flesh." Their existence is on earth, but their citizenship is in heaven. Um, it's kind of, I, I kind of wonder if, if Diognetus were to write a letter about Christians today. Uh, 
Could he, could he say that, you know, they, they live in this world, but they're not of this world. They're citizens of a country, but they're really foreigners there because their real homeland is, is heaven. I, I wonder what he would have to say about us uh, and, and going out into the world and proclaiming who we are. And then I, I wonder what God would say about me, pers- or what Diognetus would say about me personally, uh, you know. And, and, and I think a lot of it has to do with how we approach life. Uh, that's why I gave you that handout on attitude. Uh, I, I, I used to keep this on my computer, on my computer screen, because it, it always impressed me that if, if our attitude were, were to be, instead of blaming everybody for things and all of that, but, but to try and, and deal with the realities of life, that maybe we would do better. So I, I just, I, I'm, I'll read it through quickly. It, it's something just for you to take home. Maybe it'll speak to you somewhere along the line, hook it up someplace on a board or something. The longer I live, the more I realize, uh, now, uh, Charles Swindoll, Swindoll is a, uh, an a evangelical pastor. Uh, he's a great, he's a big preacher. He's really very, very good. The longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts, more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than successes, than what other people think or say or do. It's more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, a home. The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have, and that is our attitude. I'm convinced that life is 10% what happens to me, 90% how I react to it, and so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitude. I, I just think if we, if we have, you, you, can't, you can't change things that are happening. I mean, that, that's it. But how, how, I, how I'm going to react to them. So if we're to, to go out into the world and proclaim the message of God to be a servant church, uh, to be missionary disciples, I think our attitude has to be one that is good. Um, sometimes we can put people into boxes, and you know it's it's those people. Uh, sometimes within our own families we can box people and we don't allow them to grow or to be different or to change or to uh, to to do anything. We, this is who they are, and we're not going to let them do anything other. And we can do it to ourselves. And we can do it to those right around us whom we love. We put people into boxes, classes of people, uh, and, and you, can't, you can't change them, but, but you, can, you can still love them. Uh, the church has always had uh, clergy, religious, and especially laity involved in going out and proclaiming the new, good news, not just in words, but, but in action. 
You know, we have Catholic charities. We got the Office of Migration and Immigration, persons with disabilities, pro-life, uh, the aged, efforts at peace and justice, health and care, health care institutions, shelters, soup kitchens, education. That, that, that's, that's, that's what we do. That's, that's mercy received and mercy given. Um, think, of, think of this parish and all of the ministries that are going on here, all of the outreach that's done here. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And not everyone can do everything, but everyone could do something. So it, it's not an option to go out. It, it, it's something that we, we need to do. It's something that we are. I, I'm going to, um, well, I'm going to, let me, let me do this one first. Uh, there, there's a fable, an Arab, uh, Arabian uh, fable. It's called The Disabled Fox. I like it. A man was walking through the forest, saw a fox that had lost its legs, and wandered, wondered, as a man was walking along, he saw a fox that had lost its legs and wandered, wondered, wondered how it lived. Then he saw a tiger come in with game in its mouth. The tiger had its fill and left the rest of the meat for the fox. The next day, God fed the fox by means of the same tiger. The man began to wonder at God's greatness and said to himself, I too shall just rest in the corner with full trust in God that he will provide me with all I need. He did this for many days, but nothing happened. And he was almost at death doors when he heard a voice say, O oh, you who are in the path of error, open your eyes to the truth. Follow the example of the tiger and stop imitating the fox. On the street I saw a naked child, hungry and shivering in the cold. I became angry and said to God, why do you permit this? Why don't you do something? For a while, God said nothing. That night, he replied quite suddenly, I certainly did something. I made you. I said that today was going to be um, about service, us, of, of us in service. And so I've got, I've got five uh, short vignettes. Um, and what I hope they show is that being of service uh, does, doesn't mean we have to go to some foreign country, you know, to do, do something. But if each of us did, did things for other people in small and sometimes very insignificant ways, uh, what, what a difference it could make in life. Just it's a wonderful difference. I love these stories. Um, the first one is the cleaning lady. During the second month of college, a professor gave a quiz. A conscientious student had breezed through all the questions until he read the last one. What is the first name of the woman who cleans the school? Surely this was some kind of a joke. He had seen the cleaning woman several times. She had dark hair in her 50s. But how would he know her name? He handed, in, I, he handed in his paper, leaving the last question blank. 
Just before class ended, one student asked, if is the last question count for the grade? Absolutely, said the professor. In your careers, you will meet many people. All are significant. They deserve your attention and care, even if all you do is smile and say hello. He never forgot that lesson. He also learned her name was Dorothy. I, I have been, I've come into churches uh, and got ready for confirmation. I have my crozier, I've got my miter on, I've got my vestments on, I'm standing in the back of church, and people will just absolutely walk by me like they didn't even see I was, you can't see that I'm standing there? My goodness gracious, I mean, I'm so obvious it isn't funny. I mean, I, I think a lot of times they just don't know what to call me, you know. <laughs> You, you could say just good evening, Bishop, or just say good evening. But, you know, have you ever gone into a, a, a room full of people and they've been there for a while and there are little groups talking and, and you just kind of stand there? You're not sure what you're, you don't want to break into somebody's group until somebody kind of turns and says, come on over, you know, and you're welcomed into that group. Uh, I. I <laughs> You know, Kmart and, and Lowe's have learned this. Welcome to Kmart. Welcome to Kmart. Welcome to Kmart. They all have these greeters. One, one, of, one of the things I love to do is to try to get past them without them saying hello to me. I really do. I really, that's my, kind of my game when I go to Lowe's or Kmart. Sometimes you can do it. Sometimes if you really put your head down and just walk, they, they won't say a word to you. Um, but, and the reason I do it there is I think, I figure, oh, they're getting paid to say hello to me. You know, they don't care. Uh, but I think in our churches to have greeters is wonderful. I, I think for us to recognize people around and to greet them is wonderful. Uh, I mean, I, if I had walked in here as a total stranger, not wearing a collar or anything like that, uh, and I'm standing in the back there and I'm, I'm kind of looking around almost lost, would somebody from here have come up and, and said something to me, or, you know, introduced themselves, say welcome, or whatever it might be? Um, in individualism, I think, being, you know, totally, I'm up in myself, is a caricature of our society. Uh, but I think community needs to be the caricature of our church, of our parishes, that, that we... We, we recognize people, acknowledge people, that we're, we're, part, we're, we're not separate from everybody else. My, my, my second one uh, is a true story. Um, it, it was late at night. This, this is in the 1960s, I think it is, somewhere around there. Yeah, 1960s. 1960s, it was raining. Uh, this Afro-American woman, uh, her car had broken down. And she's kind of standing there in the rain, and, and a young white guy pulls up. Now, this is the 1960s, and uh, he offers to, to, uh, to take her and give her a ride, and she seems to be in a big hurry, and he gets there, and she writes down his name rather quickly, thanks him. And so, several days later, there, there was a knock on his door, and they, somebody had this TV in the 1960s, and gave it to him, uh, and, and there was a, a note attached. And the note said, Thank you so much for assisting me on the highway the other night. 
The rain drenched not only my clothes, but also my spirits. Then you came along. Because of you, I was able to make it to my dying husband's bedside just before he passed away. God bless you for helping me and unselfishly serving others. Sincerely, Mrs. Nat King Cole. Um, we, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know uh, what our actions or how they affect people. Uh, I, I, I think in that story, that there's both his assistance and her thank you. They're, bo- they're both very important. That's a gift received and a gift given uh, on both sides. Uh, you know, we, I think we need to say thank you. Uh, we need to email. Better yet, to, to write a handwritten note to thank somebody for, for things that they've done. Uh, he didn't know who he was helping. And, and Jesus said, whatever you do to the least, you do to me. Uh, I just don't think we're oftentimes aware of what a smile might mean to somebody, a word spoken to somebody, uh, how, how it can make them just, just come back to life. I think, you know, perhaps, but you do, and I think we do that. It's not that we don't do that. I, you know, we, we do have a kind word for people. We do smile at people. But maybe we need to do that a little more consciously. Uh, there should be a joy to Christianity, a joy to being who we are. Uh, and, you know, and we need, to, we need to share that joy, I think, with others. Sometimes it's just a listening ear or a shoulder to cry on. Number three, uh, always remember those who serve. Again, we're back in the, the 1950s or 60s, maybe even before that. Uh, this little 10-year-old boy comes into uh, the drugstore. Remember, you, you, you people are old like I am. Uh, in the drugstore, remember how they, <laughs> they used to have the, the, the soda jerks and the counter and all that and go get some ice cream? Uh, this 10-year-old comes in. And, and he said, he, the waitress puts down a glass of water, and he says, um, how much is uh, ice cream sundae? And she says, they're 50 cents. And the little boy pulls the money out of his pocket. He says, well, how much is a plain ice cream? By now she's getting a little, little upset. You're not upset or angry, but she, she's got other people to wait on. And she says, those are 35 cents. And the little boy again counts the change he has. He says, uh, I'll just have the plain ice cream. So the waitress brought the ice cream, put the bill down, walked away. The boy finished his ice cream, paid the cashier, and left. When the waitress came back, she began to cry because she was wiping down the table, and besides the empty dish, there were two nickels and five pennies. He couldn't buy the sundae, because he wouldn't have enough to give her a tip. But he thought enough to do that little thing. And people serve us in so many ways. Uh, I, I, I recently was at the airport, and it was, I was trying to get back from Davenport, and it was, it was one of those snowstorm things, and 
I had all these delays and, and cancellations. It, I, I left on a Monday and I got home at 8.30 at night on a Tuesday. It was just awful. But sitting in the airport and just watching people get irate, absolutely irate, because the plane wasn't there. You know, and they're yelling, they're yelling at the counter and, and at the people there. And I thought, they didn't have any control over the ice on the, on the runway. But, you know, how many times do we uh, lash out at people or, or even, you know, if you ever, you're standing in line, uh, and there are long lines and you're waiting to, you know, to get through the grocery line. Have you ever felt irritated? I always, I always get in the wrong line. I always get in the wrong line. You know, and they're, they're up there and, you know, they can't find this or they've they're got these, they're, oh, whatever it is. But um, I, I just have developed a thing. I just, I can't get, I'm not going to have a heart attack over something like that. It's not worth it. And, and, and so I think to uh, remember people who are serving us. You know, to say thank you to somebody, to compliment them on, on a waiter, waitress. You know, th- thanks, you have a wonderful smile. Thank you for being so kind to us, so generous to us, whatever it might be. I think we need to do more of that kind of stuff. And I think that's service to others. Number four, the obstacle in our path. In ancient times, the king had a boulder placed on the roadside, Then he hid himself and watched to see if anyone would remove the huge rock. Some of the king's wealthiest merchants and couriers came by and simply walked around it. Many loudly blamed the king for not keeping the road clear, but didn't do anything about moving the stone. Then a peasant came along carrying a load of vegetables, and upon approaching the boulder, the peasant lay down his burden and tried to move the stone to the side of the road. After much pushing and straining, he finally succeeded. After the peasant picked up his load of vegetables, he noticed a purse lying in the road where the boulder had been. The purse contained many gold coins and a note from the king indicating that the gold was for the person who removed the boulder from the roadway. The peasant learned what many of us never understand. Every obstacle presents an opportunity to improve ours or somebody else's condition. There's a story about four people. Everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody were their names. There was an important job to be done, and everybody was sure somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. <laughs> Doesn't that sound familiar? <laughs> you know, why, why didn't somebody clean up that thing? Why didn't they do this? You know, why didn't they do that? Well, why didn't you do it? <laughs> Number five, giving when it counts. Many years ago, when I worked as a volunteer at a hospital, I got to know a little girl named Liz. She was suffering from a rare and serious disease. Her only chance of recovery appeared to be blood transfusion from her five-year-old brother, who had miraculously survived the same disease and developed the antibodies needed to combat the illness. The doctor explained the situation to her little brother, 
and asked the little boy if he would be willing to give his blood to his sister. I saw him hesitate for only a moment before taking a deep breath and saying, yes, I'll do it if it will save her. As the transfusion progressed, he lay in the bed next to his sister and smiled, as we all did, seeing the color returning to her cheeks. Then his face grew pale and his smile faded. He looked up at the doctor and asked with a trembling voice, Will I start to die right away? Being young, the little boy had misunderstood the doctor. He thought he was going to give his sister all of his blood in order to save her. And one of the soldiers opened up his side with a lance and immediately flowed blood and water. Giving when it counts. This was not a part of my, my talk until this morning. <laughs> I, I got an email uh, this morning uh, from a, a, a parishioner from St. Dominic's who has become, her family has become very good friends. I've married the kids off, baptized all kinds of kids and stuff there. Um, but uh, it was, Regina Brett, she's the uh, columnist for the, the Plain Dealer, uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll read part of it to you. Um, she's talking about Ash Wednesday. And then she says, The other day I did a small act of love for a stranger. I felt a tug on my heart to pay for a milkshake for the stranger in front of me at Mitchell's Ice Cream. No big deal, no reason. I just felt the tug and went with it. The next day I got this email from a woman named Diana. This is the person that I know die. I was so shocked as they have ne- so shocked as that has never happened to me before. You were a perfect stranger. As I was walking out the door, a lady stopped me and told me who you were. I was so excited as I have your book, God Never Blinks and Love It. All your words of wisdom are so inspiring. I was getting the milkshake for my husband who is waiting in the car as he's recovering from serious surgery and has lost weight. I'm trying to fatten him up. He just celebrated his 90th birthday and is recovering well. This is the part that made my heart leap. Your kind deed made me think of upcoming Lenten practices. Instead of giving things up for Lent, I'm going to do a kind deed every day of Lent. I usually try to do this anyway, but I'm going to really focus on it. It can be the smallest gesture or smallest move. I love it, so I let Diana be the tug on my heart. Commit a small act of kindness every day of Lent. But if you really want to give up something, try, now this is, is uh, Brett talking, try giving up Facebook. No more scrolling, posting during dinner, in bed, when the person long, loves, you love is longing to spoon and smuggle, the cat videos can wait. Give up a resentment. You know which one, the big one. The ex-husband, the ex-wife, your dad, your mom, the daughter who hasn't spoken to you. Pray for them every day during Lent. Give up a bad habit. Being late, gossiping, complaining about the weather, the Browns, the Cavs, the Indians. Pick your worst habit and stop doing it. Give up stuff. The clothes you don't wear, that wear 
belong to people who need them, donate. Give up other people's opinions of you. God's opinion is the only one that matters, and God already loves you as you are. (laughs) I love the one that says, when I was real young, I used to think everybody was talking about me. And as I got older, I said, I don't care if they're talking about me. Then I got older and I realized they weren't talking about me in the first place. (laughs) (laughs) Give up words. You always, you never, whatever. Um, Or you could take 40 days to embrace the life you have. The income, the kids, the home that is your personal money pit the dog that eats every right shoe, bless the mess that is your life. You could embrace God, not just any God, but a God who loves you more than your grandma does. No more boogeyman God. God is not armed. God has already loves you. Accept it and live that way. You could embrace these words. You're right. I'm sorry. I love you. Thank you. You could embrace help. God already sent a Savior. Newsflash, it wasn't you. You don't have to do it alone. Ask for help. You could embrace the person in the mirror. Decide to love yourself for 40 days. Ask yourself, what would people who love themselves do? Then go and do it. I think the... the, The corporal works of mercy are are not an exhaustive list. They're they're meant to be an indication of things that you could could do. Feed the hungry, shelter the homeless, clothe the naked, visit the sick, bury the dead, give alms to the poor, instruct, advise, console, comfort, forgive, bear wrongs. It's not an exhaustive list. But there is mercy given. Uh, that was our, our first night. You know, what God has done for us is just incredible. Just incredible. And the love that God has for us individually is incredible. And the forgiveness that God offers us anytime we ask for it is incredible. And then the gift received. Um, We need to love ourselves. We need to to accept all those things that God... God can do those things, but if we don't receive them into ourselves, it's rain falling over an umbrella and never never touching us. And then we're expected, of course, then to to take those gifts that we have and to share them uh, with others. Okay, it's 20 after. We can go eat. (laughs) In the name of the Father... And the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Loving God, we thank you for bringing us together and for your great love for us. We ask that we might be truly, truly your disciples who are missionary. And we make our prayer through Christ our Lord. And may the blessing of Almighty God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, come upon you and remain with you forever. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this audio from our parish. You can find other homilies, talks, and interviews at our website, basilthegreat.org, or 
by subscribing to this podcast in your favorite app. Just search for St. Basil Catholic Church Brexville. St. Basil the Great, pray for us.